This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time to be taken on a journey on the DJ Mac Travel Show, only on Plains FM. Hello everyone and welcome to today's show. Today we've got a guest with us on the phone, Alinda Jenkins from World Travel Travellers um, based here in Christchurch and she also has an office based in Wanaka. Hello um, Linda, how are you? Good morning Douglas, very well thank you. Good, good. And um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. So you're based in Christchurch or are you, gr- you grew up in Christchurch? Yes, um, Pretty much based in, in Christchurch, although I have spent time away, um, a couple of years in LA, a couple of years in London, a couple of years in Australia, as you do, but um, always came back to Christchurch, always came back to New Zealand, but yes. Okay, and was that in um, that, that time away, was that involved in the travel industry or was that another type of career that you were into? Um, my time in Los Angeles, I was seconded there by a company called Horizon Holidays, and it was a six-month secondment that ended up being two years, so that was really exciting. Um, I ended up doing a lot of travel around the States and Canada and sales trips up to the UK. When I was living in London for two years, I was working for an advertising agency. So that was something just a little different. I stepped out of travel just for that, those couple of years. Okay. And living, living in Los Angeles, was, was it exciting? Was it a, an interesting place? I guess it would have been an interesting place to be. And, and what time of the, what part of the, you know, what year was it sort of thing? Uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was in the mid-80s and I had an absolute blast. I was actually living in Santa Monica uh, rather than downtown Los Angeles. So it was very much um, a lifestyle there that revolved around the beach and, uh yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun and a very strong expat Kiwi um, population there as well. So uh, one of the favourite activities was heading down to the King's Head on a Friday night, for example. So um, I'm, sh- I'm sure I don't need to expand the details in there. But it was a, lo- it was a lot of fun and I, I look back on that time with some great memories. OK, cool. And then it was from, from there into advertising in London. So that's that would probably help with your business you have now, wouldn't it, being... Um, sort of because there's a bit of advertising and marketing involved in, in travel. Yes, well, I've always been interested in, in marketing and having some time in London with an advertising uh, company was, was really exciting. I was an account exec there and had the opportunity to go and see clients with... Th- th- they were big brand clients and uh, we specialised in recruitment advertising. But the the part that I really loved was coming back to the studio and talking to the copywriters and the graphic designers, giving them the brief and seeing what amazing solutions they came up with, um, which I would then take back to the client and sell. And eventually we would see it on a a tube poster on the back of a bus or wherever. Yeah, really exciting. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, that would be... Yeah, especially if you see your creation come to life and it's shared by millions of people, it would be very, very cool. And then, then, so then you've 
you tra- you returned back into the travel industry, and did you come back to Christchurch at that point, or did you do other travel um, businesses somewhere else, as such? No, I came back. I came back to Christchurch. Um, I was. I've actually been in the tourism industry, uh, so inbound tourism industry for for decades, and that was why that's what took me to. Uh, Los Angeles, for example. Yes. But um, I, I actually started out with what is now Tourism New Zealand. Um, back in those days, it was called the um, NZTB. And uh, it was a cadetship. So we are talking decades ago, and I'm not going to say how many. Yeah, um, that's fine. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a really good introduction into the tourism industry. And uh, from there, I worked in uh, hotel reception, but I spent, and, but I spent most of the time uh, about 10 years with an inbound tour company called Horizon Holidays. And in fact, they were the first company that started motorhome in New Zealand. So that was a really um, exciting, creative time to be involved in inbound tourism. Um, and after... Uh, um, uh, then I got involved in, in the retail. That, that brought me into the retail scene. So that was about 20 years ago uh, when my husband and I bought two... Um, Two travel stores. We were under the brand of United Travel back in those okay. days. Okay, because United uh, Travel's not around anymore, is it? Did that? No, no. United Travel. United Travel was a franchise uh, group. Yes. And um, working within a franchise environment, you know, can be quite challenging sometimes. And a group of the owners, about half a dozen of them, including us, decided that we would like to do it differently, and we would like to do it. More our way, so okay. we broke away. We broke away from United uh, about ten years ago, and we created a new brand called World Travelers, and that's that's how the World Travelers brand came came to be. So there were half a dozen ex United stores. We created this exciting new brand called World Travelers. But the most um, interesting part of that whole process was that we didn't want to be a franchise. We wanted to have the agencies focusing on the business and on our clients. And so we started up a, the group as a cooperative. Okay. And that was And that was something that was very different. So as a cooperative, we're, we're all owner-operator stores, uh, but we don't have a big head office structure that we have to fund. Yep. And that's all, often the way with uh, franchises. So we have a very slim trim um, head office in Auckland, which actually consists of three people. Yep. And we have 24 stores now uh, through the, throughout the country, all owner-operated, all working under the um, World Travellers brand. And we're a whole lot happier than what we were 10 years ago, albeit we've now got COVID to deal with. Yes. Which, so, which does impact on the happiness scale just a little bit. Yes. Yeah, well, we're going to come to parts of that. So the so with the, the co-op arrangement, so everyone's in... Um, do you sort of have a, a plan to follow or do you sort of um, individual stores can go in a different direction? Or We pretty much work, we work to a plan. Um, we, we, we work to a, a, a business plan and a marketing plan. Uh, what the cooperative model means, though, is that um, all the earnings and the revenues, they all stay with the owner-operator. They don't go to fund a big head office. So that's the big, um, the big thing for us. But it also means that as owner-operators, we can be individual. We can customise, for example, our marketing on our own local scale. So what we do, for example, with World Travellers in Christchurch could be a bit different to what we do with World Travellers in Wanaka. But the overarching 
theme or, or the, the plan um, is always there to guide us. Right. And, and, you, and you sort of can do, like if we walked in there into your store here in Christchurch or we would be able to um, talk to you about a, a, a basically a basic holiday, say, for to the Gold Coast, or we might want to do something quite extreme like walking through the Himalayas or something in South America or, or something outside of the normal tourist um, path. That's what you normally experience as well. You have a, a mixture of quite a variety of simple package deals to something that can be quite tailored to the customer's needs and is probably not something that everyone would want to do. Well, we find we find with world travellers that we we tend to attract attract um, clients who perhaps want to do the off the beaten track. Um, they do have um, very exciting ideas about what they would like to do, what their expectations are out of their trip. Um, Kiwis, we we are very intrepid and very resilient travellers, so. Sometimes we do get it into our heads that we'd like to do some really, you know, cool things that aren't often um, visited, and that's where uh, World Traveller Stores, uh, the consultants, can really um, step up and make those trips happen, make those dreams come true. Um, but if we have clients that would like to do um, a shopping spree in, in Melbourne or a beach blob on the Gold Coast, absolutely fine. We can we can organise those. Um, what we do find also that we we often cater for uh, family groups, um, okay. sporting groups, for example. They can be sometimes a little bit tricky to organise when you've got sort of groups of people travelling together. Sporting groups quite often have special luggage requirements because they might have more equipment um, to travel with them. Um, families, yeah, it's it's um, it's making sometimes just those slightly harder things that you can't quite achieve by clicking around. Yes. You can achieve it by having a, a relationship with a, a really good travel consultant who can ask the questions, know what your expectations and needs are, and then deliver the, the best solution to meet those. Because that's um, when we had our group come and see you for our trip to the UK, that was something we had sort of a, a split group and people going from one sort of, some were coming home early, some were staying later, and yeah, it was quite... Um, but different, and obviously with dealing with people with a disability, it was um, yeah we we were really pleased with the service that we got because we we able to tell you guys what we were up to and what we were wanting to do, and it, it just seemed to be quite easy. So it was that was great. So oh, that's that's really good to hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, good. quite often uh, we can we can deliver other angles to the, to achieve the same thing as well that could just make the travel a bit easier. And uh, so it's just by having that Q&A with clients to start with that we can um, identify, if you like, where the trip hazards might be and how we can smooth those out before they even happen. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. So what we'll do is, um, so why should we actually use a, a travel agent? If we, uh, there's, there's pros and cons and you see bits and pieces on TV or people talking just in general about, oh, I used a website of some sort, and then, oh, I use a travel agent, and people say, oh, you've probably paid too much, or you've, what, what is the, what is your feeling around why, why we should use a travel agent, um, or a, a booking agent that's face to face, is is more so to, um, in relationship to using your website, um, as such. Well, travel agents have have always 
served a really good purpose up to COVID. Um, now that we've got COVID and we're going to be travelling in a COVID environment, in fact, booking through a travel agent is going to become even even more essential, I would, I would suggest. But um, why, why to book with a travel agent? I think having that face-to-face, person-to-person relationship Yep. I think that's very it's very important so that we can, if you've got a time and a budget, that we can make sure that you maximise both of those. We use reputable suppliers, so the chances of getting stuck with someone who with a, with a supplier that perhaps doesn't meet your expectations, um, we we use reputable suppliers that we've tried and trusted for for years. Um, we can also make changes very easily, and sometimes the unexpected are the things that booking engines don't um, quite handle quite so well. Yes, and, yes. Um, and things, stuff happens when you're away, and stuff could happen to you while you're away, or they could happen back home while you're away. And you so to, being you, able, yeah, so being able to make changes um, while, you're, while you're away is really important. And, and the thing is that if you've booked through a travel agent, um, the consultant will have an overview of your whole booking and and knows what repercussions there are going to be if any changes are are made. So that's really important because if you just book online and make a change, there could be a knock-on effect that you you don't anticipate that could trip you up on the the way home. Having a a travel agent sort of in your corner is a really... Um, a, a really good thing to have when you're overseas in another time zone and you're needing to turn really quickly to head home. And also with the with what's happened this year with COVID and the border closes, closures and, and stuff like that, uh, if you were dealing with the travel agent, it would have probably been a lot easier for some people. Uh, if you were with a search engine or with a website, probably quite difficult to try and get a refund or some form of cancellation policy around that. Is, uh, I guess speaking face to face to someone and saying, you know, I'd like some help here. I can't travel, or that's just closed, um, would probably have been a lot easier if you've got someone in New Zealand to talk to. I guess as well. When I think back to the period from February, starting February, but certainly once the borders closed, and I think back to what our travel consultants achieve for our clients in getting them home safely. It honestly brings tears to my eyes. They absolutely sweated um, such long hours overnight because they, they had clients in other, other time zones. They had clients in continents. They had clients where there was no Wi-Fi, no communications. Um, and being able to anticipate what was going to happen, get some plans in place to get these people home, honestly... They were just amazing, just amazing, just to see their skill level and their knowledge level just really kicked in. And I'm really, really proud to say that we got all our clients home before the before the borders closed. So that was um, it was a very dynamic time. I mean, none of us have been in that situation before. We all had to think really fast, really quickly. We had to bring all our experience um, together. Um, and, and it wasn't the, it wasn't the consultants that's acting individually either. I mean, in this door, you could see the teamwork going on between the consultants, and they collaborated to find the best solutions for you know individual clients' 
around the around the globe, literally around the globe, including um, a, uh, some clients who were on a safari in Africa somewhere. So, I mean, trying to get hold of them, they and, and also the consultants were dealing with very anxious families here. Wanting, yes, you know, wanting to know that their that their loved ones were going to be able to get back safely. So there was a lot of pressure, very dynamic time. So that's where the working as a cooperative with individual branches, all part of the same group and staff within the same office space, all sort of worked on the same same issues, the same project as such, which basically helped the whole it, it the, the clogs in, it turn. In, yeah, it paid in spades. Honestly, it was. Um, it was it was very dynamic, but to see all that expertise come together under such a pressure cooker environment, um, huge respect, huge respect for travel consultants. They are worth their weight in gold. And then once the border had closed and then the cancellation of people contacting you also to go for refunds and where they can't travel, and then that was the next stage of the workload that increased, didn't it, where um, your consultants were then basically having to work out what, refunds and, and pay people back as well, which became another part of the, a huge part of the job as well. So this is on, this is still ongoing, actually, yes. Douglas, which is uh, which is <laughs> surprising imagine. to many, which is surprising um, to many people that um, that everything hasn't all just been done and dusted. No, I would, as, as an industry overall, I would say that we're probably about eighty percent through the refund and credit processing. Um, so there is still a bit to go, and it's been a Herculean task for travel agents. Yes. Absolutely. Um, it's been frustrating. It's been time-consuming. Um, I mean, it takes, I don't know how many times longer to cancel a booking as it does to book it. <laughs> so, yes. Um, and yeah. also, you know, the consultants, they've, they were on reduced hours, um, and not just the consultants in New Zealand, but around the world. Everyone's on reduced hours, and yet there was this massive task of trying to process all these refunds and, and credits. So, you know, globally there was this massive squeeze going on um, that was very difficult, not just for the um, consultants, obviously, but for the for the clients, you know, very stressful times for clients not wanting to know whether they were going to get money back or credit or whatever. So, um, yes, yeah, and, and it's ongoing. It's... Um, it's it's been a, a massive task, and then on but we've yeah we I, I think though that we I think we can put our hand on our heart and say that we have in so many cases got better outcomes for our clients than if they were dealing direct with suppliers because we were able to leverage off long term relationships that we had with those clients, which is, as I said before, um, they're reputable um, suppliers, so we had those relationships that we could nurture. And you also want to continue that relationship because we are eventually, this is going to end eventually. And so, um, you know, the, those relationships will continue and those suppliers will still continue. So that's uh, an important part of the business as well, isn't it? So, yep, yes. yeah. So I guess the next stage is where do you see the future with New Zealand, Australia and the Pacific? How do you think that's going to, because we, we're sort of hearing now that the the bubbles are going to start opening with Pacific Islands and, and Australia itself. So how do you feel about that? What do you think is going to happen there? I think it'll be a, it'll be a slow dial-up um, with the borders opening safely. I mean, we do have um, sort of one-way bubbles at the moment with Australia, um, which is helpful for some, um, but for most Kiwis it's not really. 
Um, but I think we'll find that as true bubbles start to emerge, I think the people who have genuine purpose to travel will be the first ones off the block. And there'll be a lot of, um, there's a lot of pent-up demand to visit family. There are grandparents who haven't seen grandchildren um, who have been born during lockdown. Um, There'll be all sorts of family reunions that will need to happen because there has been, you know, major family events happen during that time. So I think it will be a a slow dial-up, and that that will apply to the Pacific as well. The visiting friends and relatives will be the primary purpose for people to start travelling again. Okay. And then I guess the next stage is the basically the um the New Zealanders basically said that they were going to become a domestic carrier and that appears to have what's happened. There's um there the other day I noticed there was a flight from Christchurch to Los Angeles, but I'm not really sure how many passengers they had if it was all just freight. But um when we start talking about overseas travel, um you know, such to Asia and North America, South America and Europe. How do you think along the same lines it'll be just essential travel first and then people will sort of um, take a leap of faith of stuff and, and decide, right, we're going to go and, and see how it happens, so sort of what happens? I think, yes, I think the answer is yes to that. It, it will be the, the first to travel even to those longer haul, mid and longer haul um, destinations will be those who need to travel so they, they have a purpose. Um, so it could be a business that will take them there. Um, it could be research. It could be education. Um, so there's, there'll, there'll be some underlying purpose that will see them, I believe, uh, move first. That's sort of what research is saying, that they will be, because they have a purpose, they are prepared to take on the extra head mindset, if you like, of, of dealing with the new way of travel. Yeah. And Whereas if, if people are just wanting a beach flop on the Gold Coast or whatever, I mean, I think that will become very easy very soon. Um, but um, they they might not do a beach flop, for example, in Rio. No. Um, so it would be another purpose that would take them to Rio or Buenos Aires. Okay. And when it comes to the the actual, because over the last, say, 10 years, we've been very lucky in New Zealand. There's been quite a lot of um, airlines flying into New Zealand or sort of stopping over, a, it's like from Los Angeles, Auckland, onto Sydney. And also South America, airlines have been doing the same into Auckland and then to Australia. Those, a number of those airlines are not going to be there anymore. So would we sort of be able to anticipate that they're probably the the price of the flights to um, long-haul flights would probably creep up because of the lack of competition within the marketplace? I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the, how the pricing works, and I think initially that, that premise would be a, a reasonable one um, because airlines are going to look at their most profitable routes first to open up, and they may not necessarily have been the ones that were this far away from their um, from their home hub. So, um, but at the same time, airlines they need their planes in the air. So there is going to be a a need for them to get people onto onto their aircraft and get people travelling again. 
So I think there's going to be a bit of a trade-off there. They, the, uh, they're not going to make money while they've got aircraft sitting in a desert. They need to get people travelling and they need to get the message across that it's going to be safe to travel. So safety is going to become one of the um, key issues for a while until people get used to the idea. Sorry to say we've run out of time with Linda just at the moment. We are going to carry the interview on into the next show in a fortnight's time. So please tune in then and listen to part two. If you like today's show and would like to hear it again, please go to plainsfm.org.nz and download the podcast by searching the DJ Mac Travel Show. If you would like more information and would like to talk to someone, maybe myself, then please call us on 0800 196633 and that's at Identity Tours here in Christchurch. Thank you and have a good week.